Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. I've been around a lot longer. Yeah, it's true. You, you do have a cockroach effect. And Donovan McNabb is with us today. CJ Fair joins us. We are joined to open the show by Josh Black. Just overall competition, right? That, that's exactly what we needed for this team. One in ten is not something you really want to use as fuel. If Steve got in a fight, I'd come to his defense because he's my bro. If you were on the ropes, I would have stepped in. You didn't need my help. Hands off. Tucker feels his way in around his own man, and he scores untouched. It's a touchdown for Sean Tucker. This is Orange Nation with Steven and Polly Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Polly Sibilia, I am Stephen Fonties. We welcome you to a jam-packed game day edition, Friday edition of Orange Nation. We've got five guests lined up for you. Whoa! Five guests. Uh, we'll do them in reverse order. One thirty. We've got Mike Curtis from Syracuse.com to preview this Syracuse-Clemson game tonight. One o'clock, or one fifteen, rather. We've got Lucas Favalli as the Syracuse Crunch set to open up the new season tonight on the road in Cleveland. At 1, Don Munson. He's the Clemson play-by-play voice. Uh, so, we'll, again, we'll preview Syracuse Clemson. We've got John Wildhack coming up at 12.30. And then uh, moments away from uh, hearing from Mike Golick Jr. He will be on the call tonight with Anish Roth as Syracuse takes on Clemson inside the Dome. So, uh Line them up today, Paulie. Plus, we got to get to our pick segment, which I, I see that you have already selected your games, uh, and I'm I'm just looking at these lines for the first time. So I feel like that is an unfair advantage for you this week. But we will Did, see they're how it available. Plays out. I was they. I walked into the. Stu- I gave uh, Jordan the uh, a text saying, "Hey, have the lines right. ready for us." And I walked into the studio ter- today. I showed up on time, unlike you, and I made my picks. Okay, well. We did get a text message earlier today that we have to do our picks earlier in the show. So that's coming up at 12.15, and I'm just seeing the the, uh, the lines for the first time. Now, I know I could do some advanced research, but I chose to wait because I thought we were going to see the lines at the same time. So that's all right. You've got an unfair advantage. We'll, I don't do research. I just Just highlight. go with your gut. Yeah. there. I, I did glance at this. There are some... Some appealing lines this week, which makes me a little bit concerned. Somebody uh, said, I said gambling was going with your gut, and someone got bad at me, one of our listeners. It's just common, like, it's kind of common sense. Gambling is common sense. Yeah, you just pick the better team. Isn't that how it works? It's very simple. Wouldn't more people win if it was that easy? In any event, uh, let's go to our guest line. As promised, uh, he's the co-host of Canty and Golick Jr. on from 3 to 7 every day on ESPN Radio. He played offensive guard at Notre Dame, and he will be on the call tonight for ESPN alongside our good friend Anish Shroff. It is Mike Golick Jr. Mike, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. I appreciate it. I'm being you know, chauffeured about town by Anish right now. He told me to tell everyone hi, so we're doing well. We're getting ready to go for this thing. Today. Excellent, excellent. Tell Anish uh, we're thinking of him as well. Always great to have him back. Great to have you in town as well. Uh, let, let's start with your impressions of this Syracuse team because, Mike, they have reinvented themselves. When Dino Babers arrived, it was Orange is the new fast. It was try to you know get off as many plays in the course of a game as possible. And, and here they are running the football, controlling the clock. What do you think about this uh, You know, new and improved? Let's face it, this offense is new and improved. What do you think about what they're doing? Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, I think of, you know, God, watching Syracuse go up against Notre Dame for a number of years. I always joked 
Eric Dungy must have grown up with a Tim Tebow poster on his wall because the guy tried to leave every game as battered and bruised as humanly possible. But I think now it's interesting because you're right, it's been redefined by a really fun ground game. Like they do a lot of great things between Schrader and Sean Tucker at quarterback to try and make it a little less obvious because let's face it, everyone knows Sean Tucker is the focal point of this entire show here. He's the guy you've got to stop. And so watching the way they've used Schrader to help complement him in that running game, take some of the heat off him and still allow him to be as dynamic as he's been. It, it makes for a really exciting watch. And I think especially against this Clemson defense that we all know very well, it's going to be a really exciting challenge of can they mix in enough down the field to take a little bit of heat off what's been one of the best stories so far in college football in Sean Tucker. Now, you being a former offensive lineman, are you surprised what Syracuse was able to do last week against Wake Forest? They were down two starters, Aaron Service, another starter, in and out of the lineup because he was banged up. They were essentially down three of their top six offensive linemen, and they still were able to you know, run the ball and run it very effectively over 350 yards on the ground. Were you surprised what they were able to do? Uh, a, a little bit, yeah. I mean, especially because you're talking about, you know, not just losing Aaron Service, but also your starting left guard and having two freshmen step into that role. I mean, young players going up against a Wake Forest team that I know the defense's numbers aren't gaudy this year, but that's still a unit that's tremendously well coached on that side of the football. And so I think a lot of that goes back to what I just mentioned as an offensive lineman. And I've told people a lot about this relative to Notre Dame's offensive line that struggled this year. When you've got a quarterback that is a bona fide run threat, it makes everything slow down. It makes linebackers have to wait a second longer. It makes the backside of defenses have to account for just one more thing. And so now for me up front, if I'm a young guy stepping into that role, the way that we've seen for a couple of these guys, now I can just focus on doing my job. I'm going to get a D lineman that's a little less apt to go screaming up field and more apt to let me get a better block on him. I'm going to get thicker double teams up front because these guys, have to be more gap sound because they've got to account for more action coming from our backfield. So I think we saw that help a young offensive line a bunch. You hope you can get Aaron Service back in there soon because, God, the amount of football he's played, what he can do in there as an athlete of his size. But I, I was really impressed by that group especially. There's no doubt. Now, Mike, there, it's one thing to, to be able to run the football against a winless Florida State team. It's, you know, it's one thing to be able to run it against Wake Forest, as you said. Uh, you know, Defense, not necessarily their strength. They're known for their offense. Is Syracuse going to be able to run the football this week against Clemson? And I know Clemson has two losses, but they're still very good on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, Paulie and I have been breaking down this matchup throughout the week. I, I think Syracuse is going to have to have some success through the air to compete tonight. Do you think they're going to be able to run the football? They're going to be able to run the football, but you're right in the fact that this sort of like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I think I'm going high off the base, baseball playoffs from last night. They're going to have to brush him back once or twice in this, right? Yeah. You're going to need to be able to move Schrader around in the pocket, move him out of the pocket, and get something going downfield. You're going to have to, I think, especially make use of Sean Tucker in the passing game, the screen game here, what they like to do, getting running backs out of the side of the backfield, and try and just make, again, James Skalski and that linebacking core have played a lot of meaningful football together. They see the picture and go and see ball, hit ball about as well as any unit you're going to find in college football. And so you're going to have to show them more than one pitch. And I think early in this game, I think we'll see Q's take some of those shots early just to try and then settle into more of their usual ground attack or else that defense is going to be able to tee off. Brent Venables shows you too much as a coordinator 
on a snap-in, snap-out basis. So I think that's going to be paramount for them at the beginning of this game. All right, we'll get into Clemson here in a moment, but I, I do want to ask you about Dino Babers. Year six for Dino. Uh, you know, we've been talking around here about how this is a really important year for him, especially coming off the one in ten season. And you know, COVID was a disaster for a lot of reasons for this program last year. But COVID, for the most part, in the past, this year's an important year. What are your impressions of Dino? Four losing seasons, but he did have that one year where they popped and they won ten games and they were one of the better teams in the ACC. Yeah, I, I think you know we talked to Coach this week just about you know, trying to be the bridge to where you go next. Every program, especially now, I mean, you look up and you're right. Dino's been here six years. That's something that I think fewer and fewer people realize from the outside perspective, from the national perspective. And so you've got to say, all right, like you said, we reinvented on the fly offensively this season. We were about one thing. What can we do next? And having the amount of use that you've got, not only in that running room, back room, but when you look at the linebacker core and what they've built here, I think it's just having enough veteran pieces to be able to start to hand the baton to these young guys and then say, all right, we're capable of reinventing in that way. We're capable of building in that way, not just off what some people might look at as a one-hit wonder of a season. Switching gears now to Clemson. I know you have a chance to, to talk with players and coaches leading up to the game. And I think one question we have you know, from a from a Syracuse perspective, is how invested will Clemson be, right? Because they're used to playing for league titles. They're used to playing in the college football playoff six years in a row. They're not going to the college football playoff this year. They've already got two losses. They're out of the top 25. They did have a bye week to get healthy and maybe get their minds right. But in talking with Dabo and talking with some of the players, um, is there any concern about motivation for this team, the fact that they're 3-2 and two right now? No, I, I think the one thing that was echoed to us by damn near everyone in that program this week was, it's all good. They are not panicking right now. This is a, I think for them, a real measure of the culture around there at Clemson. That's something they take a lot of pride in, and that starts with the headman and Dabo Swinney and saying, the way we've built this for so long is not something that's going to crack for people trying to predict the, the demise of Clemson from here on out. You lost so much in ATN and Trevor Lawrence. Can you replace it? Are you going to be able to rebuild in this way? They've gone back to work and retooled on this. They think they've still got plenty in that building. They think from players to coaches, Tony Elliott, their offensive coordinator, has taken a lot of hit this week for their offensive scheme, for them not being advanced enough. They were quick to remind us. This is the same coach that's been a part of a number of their national championship trips. They believe they haven't forgotten how to play and coach anytime soon. And I think especially coming off a well-timed bye week, you're going to see a very motivated group find their way into the carrier dome. Yeah, and, and they've struggled scoring this year. I mean, the defense has been fine. I mean, the defense, as we discussed on the show yesterday, is you know number two in the country in, in scoring defense behind only Georgia. Uh, defense has been fine. They've, they've had trouble scoring points, though. Um, do you think that sooner or later this offense is, is going to wake up and, and maybe it wakes up tonight? I think it depends on what you mean by wake up. Like, this has not been an explosive offense through the entirety of the season here. I saw a great stat from David Hale, who does a great job covering the ACC. Travis Etienne last year uh, by himself had 31 explosive plays, meaning either 12-yard runs or 16-plus-yard receptions. Clemson as a team this year has 30. Like, that's just not who this offense is right now. And so I I don't think that's going to overnight fix itself here because it's mostly personnel execution on an individual level with them. So what I think they're going to have to start to do in the way you talked about uh, Syracuse reinventing themselves is, all right, last week against BC, we saw DJ use more as a runner. 
I think that's going to have to be more of a staple of this offense because it helps an offensive line that's been jumbled a little bit trying to find themselves this season. And then I think it's going to be individually on the perimeter. As these receivers get more and more comfortable, these guys stepping up into bigger roles than they're used to, can they go out there and start to execute on an individual basis? That's always been what this offense has thrived on. And I think we're seeing the effects of a lot of key turnovers this year. And this is the point in the season where coaches would always tell us back in the day, Hey, young guys, hey, freshmen, you're not really a freshman anymore, six, seven games into the season as we get to this point. So this is where Clemson and the pride in that development, I think, has to start to catch hold if they're going to be a team that really starts to maybe not be as explosive as they used to be, but just get to a place where they can drive and support that defense more than they have. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Orange Nation for another couple of minutes. Uh, Mike, I mentioned six straight conference titles for Clemson. Is this the year that streak comes to an end? And, and you've seen a lot of football this year. Who's the best team in the ACC? Can I, can I punt right now? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would have thought, you know, I think Wake Forest is still going to have something to say about that when it's all said and done. I think certainly we saw Q's give them all they could handle on defense. That offense is just such a weird thing to try and keep a handle on. I mean, you guys saw it, the tempo of that, the way they go about their run game here. I'm really hard-pressed to find it this year. I think and this is kind of the theme of what we're going into tonight, coastal chaos has become an epidemic that has spread to the rest of the conference here. No one has been immune to it. So as we look up and try and find this, I really think it's anyone's choice down the stretch of the season. I think that makes it probably the most exciting we've seen here in about six or seven years. We have seen one of the more dominant runs in college football history, and it seems primed to come to an end this year. All right, I know you're calling the game tonight, so I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but in your mind as you look at this matchup, what does tonight's game come down to? I think this game comes down to tonight is who can make the one or two big plays down the field in this game. And then for me, it's Syracuse pressure on defense versus DJ and this offense for Clemson. Syracuse living behind the line of scrimmage, whether it's tackles for loss near tops in the country, sacks near tops in the country right now. Can this Clemson offensive line build on what they did versus Boston College a couple weeks ago and keep him clean enough to make those few plays that both teams are going to be hunting for? All right, I don't normally uh, embarrass our producer in front of our guests, but yesterday something happened, uh, Notre Dame-related, that it took me five minutes to figure out what was going on. So yesterday we were breaking down the Syracuse-Clemson game, and the callers were calling in. A very older-sounding gentleman called in, and another caller called in to comment on that older gentleman. And our producer, Jordan, who did he say he sounded like? Uh, I believe that was uh, Neil Rockney. <laughs> Neil Rockney, Mike. Can you believe? Oh, oh no, guys. <laughs> I mean, listen, I understand BK passed him and wins for a head coach at Notre Dame not too long ago, but we don't have to completely erase his memory at this point. How old are you, Jordan? I'm 24. Tw- our producer's 24, and he thought Neil oh. Rockney. See, you know what? This is a great time. Now, see, I'm starting to get into this range. Now, I just turned 32 not too long ago, so 
I'm not, you know, super wise and up there in years, but I'm old enough to participate in one of the greatest traditions in radio as we get younger and younger people like your guys' producer, young shaming people around the radio building (laughs) for not knowing the things that I know here. We do it all the time out there in Bristol, so I'm actually proud of you guys for putting his business on blast here because this is our responsibility as worldly people to make sure young people know they need to know about all these things that happened before they were alive. Good. You're on the same page as us. Now you won't forget, Jordan. Newt Rockney, okay? With a K. K-N-U-T-E. Okay. <laughs> With a K. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Great stuff. Uh, enjoy your time in Syracuse. Say hi to Anish for us, and uh, we'll see you inside the Dome tonight. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Mike Golick, Jr. <laughs> He Jordan was running around the building. He thought someone named Neil Rockney was calling us. Yeah, he actually he he ran out to catch me as I was walking to my car, and I had no idea what he was talking about. He he just said he he, he the caller says he sounds like Neil Rockney. I was like, okay, well, I, that meant nothing to me. I, I was saying, you know, thanks, Jordan. It took me five minutes. I'm, Neil Rockney called like like I'm, I'm like the only Rockney I could think of was Newt. Oh, he sounded like Newt Rockney. Yeah, I had no idea what Jordan was talking about. I dismissed it from my mind ten seconds later as I walked back to my car. But and then I couldn't help but think we've got like the first family of Notre Dame coming yeah. on the show tomorrow. So now we got to tell that story. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, again, great show for you today. We just finished up with Mike Golick Jr. We've got John Wildhack at 1230. We've got Don Munson, voice of Clemson football at 1. Lucas Favalli, voice of the Crunch at 115. And then Mike Curtis from Syracuse.com on with 130. It's a game day edition of the show. We're just getting started. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. Jordan's still here for some reason, even though we embarrassed him in the last segment. He's he's still he's sticking it I, out. I got Mike Golick Jr. handled that perfectly. He I did. was I was radio professional. I th- I threw him a curveball at the end, and he handled it great. He did. Uh, Jordan's here because it's our pick segment. Yes. What are our records, Steve? You are. Eight, six, and one. Okay. After last week, Paulie, you are nine, five, and one. You both finally met our old friend, Mr. Push, and you've got a, an extra one in your scoreboard. Okay. What? All right, let's roll. So you're up by one. Yeah. Uh, you're going to go first because I still, I'm still i not done yet. Oh, so man. I, what? Why is that You a act like you're betting money on this. Like I, I take it seriously. Do what I, I just said. Pick the better team. Jordan puts our picks out, out on social media. I want to make sure that I, I'm representing myself well. Before we get into this, how funny would it be if we're late getting to John Wildhack? Like, hey, we were... Because of our we were, fake picks? We were making some picks, Mr. Wildhack. All right, let's, let's rattle through these. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start in the ACC. I'm going to take uh, Virginia minus 10 and a half. Who are they playing? Uh, Duke. Interesting. At Virginia, so they're going to win by multiple touchdowns. Keep going, because I'm not done yet. That's not how this works. Okay, then, I, then I'm going to jump into the NFL, because I didn't pick any ACC games to this point. Any I've only picked want. four games. Any order you want, um, Steve. All right. I hate the London games. They're always low scoring. I know we're not doing over-under. No, I, you if can I, if you want. You can no, it's okay. okay. I, would, I would take the under in that game, just because nobody scores points in those games, generally. Um can that be my like my bonus pick? 
just like kind of put it on the side. I'm throwing that out there for anybody listening. <laughs> Go under on Dolphins, Jaguars. Under, okay. But for the purposes of this segment, give me the Dolphins. Jaguars stink. Remind, All right, I took that also, so oh, to did. speed okay. this up. All right. And that is minus three. So you guys are yes. both opening yourselves up to a push. All right. Chargers at Ravens. Ravens favored by two and a half. Coming off a short week. Um, both these teams only have one loss. I, I think the Chargers are the better team. And they're getting some points. I know that they're on the road. Um, the Ravens' defense has been surprisingly not good this year. I, right? I, I, love so, this I, I think Justin Herbert's going to do his thing. Give me the Chargers. Love that pick. They say home field is worth three points. So two and a half for the Ravens actually means Vegas thinks the Chargers have a chance. Chargers are better. Love that Give pick. me the Chargers. Lamar Jackson will be the difference in that game. Uh, NC State minus three at BC. NC State's going to destroy Boston College. Okay. Uh, Chiefs at football team. <laughs> um, I know that the line, the line is six and a half. I know that means Vegas wants you to take the Chiefs. Well, they're suckering me into this because uh, the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs are what two and three. Both these teams are two and three. The Chiefs are way better. Or are they? Um, you're just saying that because they beat, the Bills beat them. No, the Chiefs have the Chiefs have an explosive offense. The Washington defense has been disappointing. Now the Chiefs defense has been disappointing too, but I don't think that the Washington offense can keep up with the Kansas City offense. And I when I made this pick a couple weeks ago when Chiefs played Philly and I said they're going to kill them, they killed them. Give me the Chiefs. All right, I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 3 at the Patriots. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh Raiders at Broncos. Um, this game, man, the no, Raiders, the, no coach. They had the, no coach the Ra- this week. Yeah. This, I, I just, I don't know. The Broncos are at home. The Raiders are in turmoil. I know it's four points. So that means the Raiders could lose by a field goal and I would be in trouble, but give me the Broncos. I think the Raiders are in shambles right now. Steve, what's the point total for that game, by the way? 44. Go Cuse. Floyd Little. And, uh, finally, is this my final pick? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the Steelers minus five. Ooh, versus fan Seahawks, bat. fan bet. You're betting with your heart. No, bet with your bet with your head, not your heart. All right, I'm gonna take another sucker pick. Uh, I guess for my last one, Cardinals at Browns. Cleveland's favored by three and a half, and I know based on what you've taught me, Jordan, that means that Vegas wants me to take the Cardinals, who are the only undefeated team in the NFL. They're dealing with a COVID issue. No Chandler Jones. Um, but man, I, do I, I think this is a field goal game, one way or the other? Give me the Cardinals. I'm uh, I'm gonna make my producer pick. I was right on the Cardinals last week. I had them to win by five or more. Steve, I'm going to pick against you. I think Browns plus three and a half is really good value. Their running game is absolutely absurd. They have two top quality running backs. But the Browns are favored, so it's mine. You just said plus three and a half. Yes, minus Minus three. I think the Browns can win by a touchdown. I think they're going to run right through Arizona. Um, So, Steve, we're picking against each other, man. Good luck. All right, we got to run. We've got John Wildhack joining us on the other side. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch live on (laughs) QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Pauly with you up until 2 o'clock. And we kick off hour number two, as promised, by going right back to our guest line to bring on the voice of the Clemson Tigers. Don Munson is our guest on the show. Don, thanks so much for coming on. How are you today? 
I am great. Glad to be here in Syracuse. Looking forward to tonight's game. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. And and let's start with with these Clemson Tigers. I know that uh, you know everybody outside looking in says, well, this this isn't the Clemson team of old. Uh, you know, they've already lost two games. It's like the sky is falling because they've lost two games. One to the best team in the country. Uh, the other one in in double overtime. Uh, what are your takeaways from the first half of the season regarding this Clemson team? Well, I think the, one of the major takeaways is, first and foremost, from a positive side, this team defensively is uber good. I mean, they're really, really good uh, defensively. And it starts up with the, with the front four and the depth that Clemson has on the front four, particularly now with the loss of Brissie and Tyler Davis to, to injury at defensive tackle. Uh, that has been really one of the stories is to see how guys have stepped up in that defensive tackle position and have played extraordinarily well. And that defensive end, I think all of us knew that, that it was going to be an extraordinarily deep group that is there. And there have been seven different guys that have started at defensive end uh, for Clemson here now over the last couple of years that are still on this football team. So that's been the one thing from obviously from a negative note has been what the offense has been doing. I think the offensive line is, has been, uh, you know, hasn't been very good to be perfectly honest with you. Everybody's pointing their fingers at Uyundalale at, at quarterback, but I think it's because of offensive line. I think it's also because of some wide receiver stuff that's going on. They've dropped some passes, you know, um, that have been right, right there and, and probably, you know, should have been caught. And so that starts getting in the mind of a young sophomore quarterback. And uh, so those are the, the two big uh, storylines that I think have come through Clemson so far this season. You know, you mentioned DJ Uyunglele, and is he a guy that you think can develop into, you know, the, the quarterback for this franchise and this and this team moving forward? You mentioned he's he's only a sophomore. Is he the guy for the next couple of years, or, or, or do you think that there's somebody coming behind him that, that might, uh, you know, replace him moving forward? Oh, no, I, I, you know, I still believe he's the guy. I mean, I, I still believe he's going to be the number one overall draft pick, if not this coming draft, but the next draft. So, I mean, I, I, that's the kind of talent this kid has. Uh, for whatever reasons, he's, but he's got, to, he's got to piece it together. There's a, a lot of time that's still left. People go back and look at Trevor Lawrence's sophomore campaign through five, through five games. You may see a lot of similarities that's actually happening with DJ. There were a lot of similarities. They were there, and then of course he caught fire in the second half of the season. So hopefully that is one of the things that we start seeing here tonight for Clemson is is young DJ catching fire. You know, one of the things that we look at, Don, from the from the outside looking in, is with you know with two losses. I mean, they've won. You know, Clemson's won six straight ACC titles, and they've been to the the college football playoff six years in a row. It, at least from a playoff perspective, that's not happening this year. They're out of the polls, uh, you know, they have virtually no shot to, to play their way back into the playoff. Um, what's the motivation of the players? Do you get a sense of, you know, are they down if they kind of checked out of the season, or do you get the sense that they're motivated to, you know, still win this conference and still go to a really good bowl game? Well, I'm, I'm, I would say that, you know, the concentration of this team right now is just you just got to go week to week. You, they still can. They still can make a, an ACC championship game. Now they need some help along the way, and it may it may start tomorrow for them with NC State at Boston College. You know, so if NC State loses that game at Boston College, all right, then they still need obviously State to lose again. But you look at the rest of the schedule for NC State, that that certainly could happen. But for Clemson, it's just got to be week to week. All right, we got to take care of business here on a Friday night against Syracuse. Next week has got to be at Pitt. The week after that, it's got to be at at Florida State, but they can't get caught looking down the road. They've got to take care of the things that are just that are just right in front of them. The other thing from what you just said 
is this, and I'll just throw this out there, is this the year, if there was ever a year, this may be the year, that, it, that we finally get a team make the playoffs that has two losses. I think when you look around college football, that certainly is a possibility. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. Clemson obviously got a lot of work to do to play their way back uh, into well, that position. Well, I didn't say it was Clemson. I, just, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, say it was, I didn't say that. No. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, so when you look at this Syracuse team, as you look at this matchup tonight, um, I know you've you've had a chance to, to dig deeper into this matchup. Um, you know, when you call Syracuse-Clemson games, you're used to seeing Clem- or Syracuse try to get up and down the field and throw as many plays at you as possible and so on and so forth. This year they're going about it differently. It's ball control. It's running the football. It's time of possession. Uh, shorten the game. Leave it up to their defense to try and keep them in it. Um, what what do you make of this this particular Syracuse team that you've seen, especially these last two weeks with Garrett Schrader uh, at quarterback? Well, I, I think that what you're seeing is, and I know that Coach Babers has been under fire here in Syracuse. Don't don't get me wrong, I, I, and I understand that, and he understands it. He's, he he knows he's a big boy. He, he knows what's expected of him here. But I think it, it to me it shows the maturity of him as a head coach that hey, I need to adjust to what my team is capable of doing. What are, the, what are the strengths of my team, particularly over on the offensive side, that I can put them in the best position to win games? And so I, I think that that's exactly what he's doing with moving Schrader over, you know, giving him the starting nod now at quarterback over to Beto. It was, you know, I just think it, it, it gives them a better opportunity to win. If, if you are a fan of any team and you don't think that your coaching staff is putting the 11 out there that they think gives them the best opportunity to win, you're absolutely crazy uh, in, in thinking that. But this is, for them, it's, it's the way that Syracuse needs to go about winning football games. And that means that he had to make an adjustment to what he wanted to do. And I give him total credit for it. And it's, and it's a difficult thing to stop. And for whatever reason, Don, Syracuse has played Clemson uh, pretty close here of late. Uh, they're, they're certainly not on the same level as the Tigers, but four of the last seven games have been decided by 10 points or less in this series. Uh, what do you chalk that up to? Because Clemson is clearly the superior team and the better team, but Syracuse has given them some some trouble in, in recent years. Well, I think that what it comes down to, and we're kind of used to seeing this at Clemson, is that people approach the Clemson game. Everybody, you know, if you're an opponent, everybody's circling the Clemson game because of what Clemson has built itself into really since the 2012 season. Winning two national championships in 16 and 18 doesn't hurt, and that persona still carries here into 2021, even though you know they haven't, they haven't won a national championship, but they've played for them uh, since that period in time, and they've been obviously a perennial team that's been in the, in the college football playoffs. So you're going to get everybody's best shot. Syracuse is going to give us the best shot that they possibly can. And so there's a little more juice to, to these kind of games for the opponent. It doesn't surprise me at all that some of these games have been close. What does the bye week do for Clemson? Uh, we know that they've been banged up. Are they a healthier team now uh, physically, and are they a healthier team maybe mentally? H- had a chance to kind of recalibrate and, and process the two early season losses. Do, do you look at this as a, as a team that's ready to kind of hit its stride for the second half of the year? No, they're still down players. I mean, I can tell you right now off the top of my head that there will probably be at least six, eight guys that won't play today or tonight that would, on a normal, you know, back at the beginning of the year, would have played. So there's still injuries that are out there. Uh, I think that what it has done for them, though, is it let them get back to some basics. And I think that, you know, to simplify some things. And I think that that's always a good thing, I think, for, for football teams, basketball teams, any team. When you can go back and just kind of simplify the approach of what you want to do, then I think it just makes it easier on, on everybody. And 
So that's another thing for tonight is I, I think that we'll, we'll see Clemson come out, particularly offensively, and do some bread-and-butter things that maybe they've gotten away from the, the first five games of the year. All right, I know Paulie's got a basketball question for you. i got one more football question, though, just as, as you get ready to call this game tonight. What do you think it comes down to? Well, for Clemson, I think defensively, uh, they obviously have to stop the run. So that means the defensive ends in particular have to set edges. They, they cannot let Schrader or Tucker, for that matter, get the edge on them. Now, Tucker is very good at planting the foot and then cutting back against the green and making, making things happen. So that means that linebackers also can't over-pursue uh, and that type of thing. But I think that's the big key right there defensively for, for Clemson. And then when you flip the page and you look at the offense, uh, for Clemson. Clemson needs to come out and run the football. And that, I think, obviously, it's what both teams want to do here tonight. Both teams want to run the football. But Clemson, when they can come out and run the football and run it effectively, then that will set up the passing game uh, for them. So, does it'll be interesting to see what Syracuse does here defensively tonight. Do they go 3 3 5? Or are they going to do something else and, and roll the dice in a different ways? To me, that'll be the, the chess match that'll be going on. Uh, just a quick basketball question for you. Beginning of the month, uh, Clemson extended Brad Brownell to a two-year extension on his contract. We're kind of spoiled up here with our head coach. What What has Brad Brownell meant to the Clemson basketball program? Well, I, he's been a solidifying force, I think, for, for Clemson basketball. Obviously, they got to the NCAA tournament last year, uh, and so now he needs to do it back-to-back years. He needs, he needs to figure out a way to get this squad back into the NCAA tournament, which it won't be easy, but uh, we'll, I think that he's got the talent there that, that can do this. Uh, but, you know, Brad is, Brad is a guy, here's, here's something that most people don't look at, and certainly most fans don't look at, but every senior that has come through Brad Brownell's program since he took over in 2010 has graduated from Clemson. He's 100% graduation rate for guys that have stayed and have gone through the program. And so that, believe, believe me, that plays very big on the Clemson campus. It plays very big to the Clemson fan base uh, as well. Uh, so, you know, now from my standpoint, as I look at it, and this is not just from a Clemson standpoint, but, you know, if you follow, the, if you follow Jim Beheim, Jim Beheim is not supposed to still be at Syracuse. He's, he was supposed to have retired a long time ago. Not, not a long time ago, but was supposed to have retired. But he's still there. He's got his two sons back. And, I mean, if he has the opportunity to coach both of his sons, more power to him. You know, and Bayheim, I don't think, is going to go anyplace anytime soon. Um, and, obviously, with, with Krzyzewski retiring this year, you know, he becomes kind of the, the, grand, the grand old guy uh, in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And he should be. And he should be very well respected for, for what he has done here at Syracuse. He's built a tremendous program. All right, Don, great stuff. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy your time in Syracuse. Enjoy the call, and hopefully we can talk to you again during basketball season. Always good to spread a little gospel to the Clemson Tigers. Go Tigers. All right, thank you, Don. There he is, Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers. And with that, we'll take a timeout. When we return, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk hockey, the voice of the Crunch, Lucas Favalli, set to join us with the Crunch opening up the new season tonight on the road in Cleveland. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.